Hey, hey, my name is Clayton. If you're a guest with us today, come on, Charlie, come on up here. I'm the pastor here at Central, and it's good to see all of you this morning. And there's something that I've realized that no one wants to be alone. You know, whether you're, you're walking down a dark path by yourself, no one wants to be alone, do they? Or if you're celebrating your birthday, no one wants to be alone. And I think as we are walking this, this walk of faith and following after Jesus, no one wants to be alone. And today, we're going to hopefully encourage and equip you and inform you that you are not alone. Right, Charlie? That's right. And so this morning, I've invited a special friend of mine to come and speak today. This is Dr. Charlie Cruz, and he has come to, he's, uh, come to, to share a message um, from God this morning. As we begin to answer this, this question uh, or the, the thought of that we are in this together. We are not alone. That's right. And there are so many churches in our community who are walking the walk of faith with us. And Dr. Cruz is our mission director, director of missions for this network we call the Tulsa Metro Baptist Network. That's a long name. I know. You don't need to figure mm-hmm. out a, a smaller name. Yeah, okay. So that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mouthful right there. But it is, it is a group of about 150 Baptist churches in this area who are on mission together, and we are a part of that. And Charlie's role is to equip and serve the local church, and he does that to our church as well. So he's here to speak to you guys today, so why don't you guys give him a warm welcome. All right. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Clayton. You, you have a winner in this guy right here as a pastor. You, I hope you know that. Do you know that? Yes. I'm telling you. It's good to be with you. And if you're here to hear the pastor, he'll be back on the pulpit next Sunday. Uh, I'm pinch hitting for him today because I want to talk with you about a subject he asked me to uh, put together. So we're here to do that. We want to uh, think about who we are as Baptists. Now, for some, that name uh, conjures up bad things. But I want to tell you there's a lot of history behind that name that uh, maybe you know a little bit about or know nothing about. So today we want to answer that question, who, who are these Baptists? You know, almost 19 years ago, God interrupted my world down in Texas. I was pastoring a church similar to the size of this sweet congregation down in North Arlington. And your pastor from days gone by, Kevin Stewart, He called me one Saturday afternoon after we had just finished a young married retreat. He said, Charlie, we'd like to get a resume uh, from you because we'd like to talk to you about being our director of missions in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I said, Kevin, you're, you're crazy. You don't need to talk to me. You need to talk to somebody else. He said, no, we're taking one person at a time. And you're the one we'd like to talk to. And that was in August of 2003. And things just kept moving along until God brought us here uh, in the, I guess it was March of 2004. And my sweet wife, Debbie, right there, she came with me. Our son, Chet, he was going to be starting quarterback on his varsity football team down in Texas. And uh, it was a tough move for him going into the 10th grade. But God blessed. He wrote a speech in college on what he learned in moving to Oklahoma. I said, what was the bottom line? He said, I learned how to make friends. And he graduated from OSU, and now he's 
You can take the boy out of Texas, but you can't take the Texas out of the boy. He's living in Austin, but he's coming up to see us this next week, and we're thankful for that. But he learned a lot in moving to this great state. And that was almost 19 years ago when that happened. And if you had told me uh, what it was going to be like, I would say you're crazy. But one of the things I found in coming here is you hate the University of Texas. My wife and I, we went to Baylor. We hate Texas too. And every time they're beaten, we just rejoice. We praise the Lord for that. So we have that in common. I had a uh, video there. Guys, I don't know if you can show it, but it was kind of, this lady's jumping out of an airplane. She's a senior adult, and uh, she's attached to a skydiver, and when she opens her mouth, her false teeth come out. That's the funniest thing. I wish I could, I'm going to find a way to pull that up one of these days. But that was kind of what it was like. I mean, I just, uh, jumping out of an airplane, trying to figure out, okay, um, What's this all about, God? But we felt like we were in the center of God's will. Little did I know what we were about to transition into. Man, y'all have more high-tech stuff here than any church I know of. There's a, I, the last time I saw a camera like that, it was at Jerry's World in Arlington, Texas. And there it is. Man, you guys, you, you've got a great team, a staff team. Ryland, he's the best. You hang on to these guys. You can't beat Deborah. You got a fine young pastor. He came from Texas. We won't hold it against him that he went to A&M. That's all right. Uh, he's proud of that. Uh, so here we came, and little did I know what, what God was up to. But one of the things that our director down in Fort Worth, he drilled into us. He said, you know, you need to listen to what Lyle Schaller says. Lyle Schaller was a Methodist, but he was in touch. Every time he would go into a congregation, he would ask, what year is this? Asking that church, because so many of the churches that he worked with needed to embrace a preferred future. He said this, he said, denominations that are not servicing local churches directly will not survive in the 21st century. Well, the, the leadership of Tulsa Metro knew that. They said, we've got to do something to find a way to connect and serve our churches more effectively. So there was a sense of desperation with those guys, and I could, I could feel it, but they were open to change. And Larry Rose, our director down in Fort Worth, he drilled into us. He said, you know, the Great Commission was not given to a denomination. It was given to a local church just like Central Baptist Church in Oklahoma. And we talked about that with the leadership team. So we began to think about what we needed to transition to. And one of the things that we felt like we need to focus on was anything that connected to a local church. So we became a church-driven association or network. We became resource-focused. Every church is different. Every church has its own unique style. Fifty years ago, Southern Baptist churches, if you went to a church in Florida or you went to a church in uh, San Francisco, they would have the same bulletin. They would have the same order of service almost. But that's changed. There are no two churches that are alike anymore. They're all unique. In fact, Will Mancini wrote a book called Church Unique that uh, we're beginning to study as a staff. 
We became institution-free. We let go of the institutions that we felt like would do a better job if they were free to determine their own destiny. We let go of Telecogi, and their board took over. We let go of Dayspring, which we were holding them back. They could not do anything. It's a women's shelter. They could not do anything with our, without our blessing. We let them go. They're doing better than they've ever done. And then we let go of our ministry center. We had a local church that came by, a lady by the name of Pam Martin from South Tulsa Baptist Church. She said, we want to take over the ministry center. I said, give us three seconds to pray about it, and we'll let you have it. We even gave them the deed to the property. And immediately they started having new volunteers, 11 new volunteers every week. It totally transformed our institutions. So what we had to say was the old way is this. The old way is the churches exist to serve the association. We had to let that go and put the church at the top of the food chain. That's what it's all about, the local church. The hope of the world is the local church. The hope of this country is what happens in local churches just like this one, Central Baptist Church. We had to embrace a new way that the association, Tulsa Metro Network, we exist to serve, resource, to do everything we can to help local churches just like Central Baptist Church. So that's kind of what we're all about in some ways. We formed a new structure. We did away with over 30 committees, and we went to a new way of just working through teams and then a leadership team that is our A-team, administrative team. As a staff, what we became and still working at intentional missionaries, intentional catalysts to do all that we can to do the work that God's called us to do as an association, as a network of churches. We're scattered out across five counties. It's no longer necessary for a, an association to just come out of one county. Capital Association in Oklahoma City, they're all in Oklahoma County. It's not that way here. We're scattered out. Different communities, these five counties. We even have an, a, a church in Muskogee. We have a church that's almost, it seems like to me, it's almost in Arkansas. Uh, they're there all the way over to Manford and, and really beyond. So our unity is in what we do as a network of churches. In 2004, we had less than $3,000 to invest in church plants. That was a priority. Our budget right now, we have $48,000. We have $1,000 a month to church plants. One of your, your former pastors, Scott Carlton, we help him out. He's doing a great job. God had to get him where he needed to be, and that's where he is, and God's blessing that, and you were a blessing to him in letting him uh, transition and be what God wanted him to be. I appreciate your heart for your pastors. I know that you believe and you support your local pastors, and that is so important. God will bless your efforts in that regard. But there is something that's happened that's a challenge to us. We had one church, Berean Church, that's located on 21st Street. We had a church plant in there, and unbeknownst to us, the church planter, who he did not grow up Baptist. He's a fine young man. But he, the next Sunday after we met with him, this was about six years ago, 
he closed down his church plant, and they sold the building to a non-denominational uh, non church. And uh, that, I mean, that, we don't have anything against that, but we lost that property because they gave the proceeds to one of our sister churches. We have a church plant now that went and talked to that pastor of that church because it's for sale. And if we had held on to the property, we could have had another church plant in there. So we're asking churches to allow us to take over the property if they cease to exist. That's a tough decision for a church to make. But we've lost some great churches or plants, uh, areas, campuses, because churches moved in another direction. We have one church on the east side of Highway 169. Um, they sold the church years ago. The proceeds went into the retirement fund of the pastor. We believe that the association is positioned to help take over those properties and to get new churches in there because we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So our purpose is very simple. We exist to resource, to do all that we can, the vision of a local church just like Central. Our, our values emerge this way. Church first is the number one. Always church first, the congregation, the body of Christ. The second value is trust. We have to trust each other to do what God's called us to do. We believe in collaboration, pastors working together, leaders working together, encouraging one another, praying for one another, lifting each other up. As Pastor Clayton said, you're not alone. These guys, we believe in them. And then we encourage innovation. You've got a lot of innovation going on here. You've got a creative staff led by a creative pastor. And God's blessing your innovation and what you're trying to do. You're trying to be effective and relevant to a culture that needs the gospel. The hope of the world is in, let me say it again, local churches just like Central. And then we believe one of our values is pastor wellness. How important that is. Pastor wellness. You encourage your pastor. It's the most difficult job in America right now. You can't imagine what a local church pastor, the stress and the expectation that he has to deal with on a regular basis. So you pray for your pastor. You encourage your staff. Lift them up. They need you to walk alongside them and be an encouragement to them. And Central has always had that history of doing that. So who are these Baptists? Let's talk about who we are. Don't let that name turn, turn you off. There's a lot of great history about that name. The first president of the Republic of Texas, Sam Houston, became a Baptist Christian. He was led to the Lord by the founder of Baylor University, B.H. Carroll, who baptized him. He was a full-blooded Cherokee Indian. I didn't know that until just a short time ago. But he believed in the work of, of, of Baptists and their commitment to missions. A lot of great things. A lot of pastors have suffered because they believed in what Baptists believe as followers of Jesus. The best-known world-renowned evangelist was a Baptist. His name was Billy Graham. And God used him in an amazing way. I mean, there's so much history there. 
And I know some of our younger churches, they'll leave Baptists out of the name. That's okay. They still, in their unpacking of what it means to be a member, they still teach and believe what we believe as Baptist Christians. If you go to Saddleback Church in uh, California, uh, Baptist is not in the name, but they're the greatest contribution. Uh, they give the greatest money to California Baptist, to World Missions, any other church. Rick Warren was raised in a Southern Baptist pastor's home. So who are Baptists? Let me just say these three statements up front. We are right and everybody else is wrong. That's not true. <laughs> that is not true. We don't have it nailed down in every area. We are not spiritually better than anybody else. Some of you have friends that go to Bible churches that may go to another tribe. And uh, you're, none of us are better than anybody else. Never, never come to that place where you believe that. We do not possess infallible truth. In fact, we have a number of practices that are not supported by the Bible. And you need to understand that. We've got some weird uh, beliefs that have come about. Um, there's no scriptural support for but who are Baptists? Jesus said, if you have a copy of the scripture, turn over to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 16. I want you to look at a passage of scripture right there. Jesus is gathered with his disciples. He's at the base of Mount Hermon. If you go there today, there's this huge waterfall that comes out of the base of Mount Hermon. And it's in that area where Jesus asked his disciples a very important question. The worship to the nature God Pan was carried on there years prior. But here's Jesus with his disciples, and he looks at them. He says, who do men say that I am? And some said, well, maybe Elijah. Some said, maybe Jeremiah. But who do you say I am? He looked at those guys, and Simon Peter, who was always sticking his foot in his mouth, he spoke up. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. And you're the son of the living God. And God, uh, Jesus blessed him in that moment. The structure of the church. In those days, the structure, it came about over time. It evolved. Certain kinds of leadership emerged. There were elders, there were bishops, there were deacons, there were apostles. The structure basically modeled to some degree as to how governments in those days were, were developed and how they functioned. The society of that day was totalitarian with an emperor. His name was Caesar. So the churches kind of developed that kind of structure over time with all authority, pyramiding power to the top. Institutions took on that model. But over the years, the church, the organized church, evolved into a structure much like the government. And so by the fourth century, you see this pyramiding power of bishops and guys at the top. But there were always descending groups going back to Jesus. They did not believe in that kind of structure. They would look at the Bible and say, you know, there's a simpler form of structure for the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. So they 
they pushed away from uh, the ecclesiastical environment that had, we're in charge here. There was a huge struggle. Well, the patriarchs in those days, they struggled for power. There were some in Rome. There were patriarchs in Constantinople, some in Jerusalem. They began to bump into each other, and they struggled for power, and they split. You had the church in Rome that became its own entity. You had a church in Constantinople. It became its own entity. And so they separated. But there were always these dissenting groups who would look at this book written over a a period of 1,800 years on three, maybe some say four continents. This book was written. And on every page, the writer of this book, God, was saying to you and to the human race that was in rebellion, I love you. I want a relationship with you. And so these guys, they would look at Scripture. they say, you know, we believe there's another way to how a church needs to operate. So there were groups that would split out. Martin Luther led a group. They became the Lutherans. And he adopted still some of the practices of the Roman Catholic Church. But he did say, it's by grace you're saved through faith, none of yourselves. There were other groups in the Anglican Church in England. And they were persecuting Baptist pastors right and left. Because the Baptists said every person can interpret Scripture on their own. And the Anglican Church said, no, you will believe what we tell you to believe. And Baptists said, no, it's not that way. So they were persecuted. Many pastors were put in prison. John Bunyan was one of those. He wrote the book Pilgrim's Progress. Other pastors put in prison. Some even burned alive at the stake. But they died for what they believed because they believed that the soul is competent to understand the Word of God and to interpret the Scripture for oneself. In fact, you get two Baptists together, you'll get three different opinions. We Baptists, we go to the scripture, we read a passage, we say, well, this is what I believe about that text. Somebody else may read that same text and they say, you know, this is what I believe. So you have a discussion. It's an open system. That's so much a part of who we are, our tribe as Baptists. So uh, other groups uh, separated out. And one of those groups was the Baptist. They got their name from the Anabaptist. These were a group of believers living in Switzerland. And they were called Anabaptist because they would rebaptize people who perhaps were sprinkled as children, as babies. And Baptists believe that you're only baptized, and they believed in immersion, not necessary for salvation, but they were baptized as a picture of them dying to Christ as he comes in. It was a symbol. And so the Anabaptists practiced that. Anna meaning re, re-baptized. Our doctrinal beliefs came from English dissenters. There was a group around the time of the King James that called for a freedom of conscience, a freedom of religion. England couldn't give it to them. So many of those people made their way to America my family, Richard Cruz, was my ancestor, and he was one of those. He had four sons, and they left. Uh, they ended up in Ireland. They left there, and they came to America, and they entered America at Savannah, Georgia. And one of those sons uh, stayed in Georgia. One went to Florida, North Florida, which is my ancestors. 
And then uh, one came to Texas, and I believe one went to Kentucky. The second governor of the state of Oklahoma was Governor Lee Cruz, C-R-U-C-E. He's buried in Ardmore. He must have been an Okie. Had an associate that used to say all the Okies went to California during the Dust Bowl. And I think uh, Governor Lee Cruz did that because he died in California, but he wanted to be buried in Oklahoma. So his daughter brought his body back, and he's buried in Ardmore. He was the second governor of the state. But these, these people, they were looking for religious freedom. And that's how America started. That's how uh, America developed in those early, early days. Baptists found fertile soil in colonial America. So much so, there are 28 million Baptists. 14 million of those are Southern Baptists. Some of our Baptists that serve in what we call underserved areas, say California, Utah, way out west, they might use the term Great Commission Baptist. And they've had to do that because, you know, we Baptists, we're very controversial. It's an open system. And we get into trouble. We bump into each other. But I'd rather be a part of a system like that than a leader at the top who says, this is what you believe. You have the freedom as a follower of Christ to interpret Scripture as you see fit. We would consider ourselves a part of evangelical Christianity. There's a lot of difference between us and other evangelical groups. And a lot of that difference has to do, we do not believe in sacramental faith. When the Catholic priest holds the host up to heaven, you'll hear a bell. And at that moment, the, the, the wine and the bread is transformed into the actual body of Christ. That is the, the most sacred moment in the Catholic Church. We don't believe that. We believe these symbols, the wine represents the blood of Jesus. The bread represents his body. They were broken. They were sacrificed for us. And the Lord's Supper that we partake from time to time is a reminder to you and I what happened, what Jesus did for us. We do not believe that, that baptism is necessary for salvation like some of our Church of Christ friends believe. They believe that baptism must be taken place for someone to be saved. We believe it's a symbol. It's just like this, this ring is a symbol of my marriage to my wife. Baptism is a symbol of your faith in Christ. You may have trusted Christ, but you've never been scripturally baptized. You need to step back. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, be baptized. So it becomes a testimony to your faith in Christ. And some of you right now, you might need to, to follow through with that act of obedience. We believe salvation is a gift of God. A baby can't be saved through the faith of its parents, through, or through a ritual performed by a priest. When John F. Kennedy was assassinated, in Dallas, Texas, it was so important that a priest get in there and give him last rites, but he was gone. We don't believe that the external act is going to do anything. His, his soul had already left and had gone into eternity. We, we just don't believe that. We believe that a person, a responsible person, realizes he has sinned against a holy God. He comes to Christ. He asks for forgiveness, and he turns from that old life and faith, and he reaches and he takes all of Jesus that he can understand at that moment, and he's saved supernaturally. He's brought into the family of God, and then baptism comes next and is a picture of what happened to him. The old life 
is gone and the new life begins. So let's take that acrostic, B-A-P-T-I-S-T, and just think about for a moment what we believe as Baptist Christians. Number one, be born again. We believe you must be born again. Jesus said that to Nicodemus. Nicodemus went to Jesus. He was a Jewish teacher. And he went to him by night. He was afraid of the persecution that he might face. He said, what, what can I do to enter into eternal life? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, maybe he called him Nick. Nick, you've got to be born again. And he explained to him what it, what it meant. He'd had a physical birth, but now he needed a spiritual birth. That may be where you are today. You need a spiritual birth. You need to be born again. Reach out and take Jesus, all of him you understand. So that B stands for that, born again. A, authority. We believe the Bible, this book, is our sole authority for faith and practice. Now, we have confessions of faith. The Baptist faith and message in 1963 was penned largely by the pastor of First Baptist Oklahoma City. His name was Herschel Hobbs. He used to, we used to call him Mr. Baptist. He spoke to pipe to the glory of God. Old school. Uh, I've thought about doing that, but I don't think it'd go over too well. Uh, I remember my brother, who was a pastor down in Tallahassee. I lost him in 2010. He invited Herschel Hobbs to come speak. And he went over one morning to pick him up for the morning service, and he walked by the window, and Dr. Hobbs was doing this, trying to get rid of the smoke from his pipe. He was a sweet man. Uh, who was it? Charles Spurgeon. He said, I smoke a big black cigar to the glory of God. Uh, so these guys, a different culture, different background, but they loved the Lord. And Herschel Hobbs was a big part of the 63 Baptist faith and message. Well, it was revived in 2000. I was there. My wife and I, we voted for it. But one young pastor, he, in that meeting, he stood up and said, it's just a book. That's all it is. And what he was saying was, we don't worship the Bible. We get everything that we need in terms of information from God's Word, written revelation, but Jesus is who we worship. I understood his point, and I, it was well taken with some of us. But we don't have creeds that we uh, hold over each other. In other words, when that convention takes place in Anaheim in June, they can make resolutions in that, con that convention, but they can't take those resolutions and beat you over the head. It just represents the group that gathered there that day. That's the freedom that we have as followers of Christ. So, creeds we don't believe in. I remember Dr. J.W. McGorman. He taught New Testament at Southwestern. They came to him and said, now, if you want to continue to teach here, Dr. McGorman, you're going to have to sign the Baptist faith and message. He said, I'll sign every page of the Bible, but I will not sign a human document. And so he no longer could teach. He'd been there 40 years teaching. He would go to chapel service and sit on the second row in a seminary that he dearly loved, but he couldn't teach there because he didn't sign the Baptist faith and message. I wish he would have, but, you know, we believe in his freedom. And uh, he was taking a stand for what he believed. And that's been so important to us 
as Baptist Christians. And then P, preaching. Baptists, you know, we're strong on preaching. We design an auditorium not as a mausoleum, not as a place for the saints to be put in statues. We design an auditorium for communication. You came in today, you're talking with each other, visiting with one another. How you been doing this week? How's it going? You're communicating. Then you sit down, and your pastor comes up to this table. It used to be a pulpit. It's a table now. And he preaches what God's put on his heart. You could, he communicates. Faith comes by hearing. By hearing what? The Word of God. He preaches God's Word. And God uses that to bring about conviction. We, uh, in an atmosphere, and my, you know how to celebrate, collective celebration. We Baptists, that's how we, uh, that's how we operate. Uh, it's not so much liturgical. Some of you came out of a faith tradition. You walk in, first church of the Holy Refrigerator. You <laughs> skate down where Jack Frost is pastor. Uh, that's not, a, that's not bad. We Baptists, we talk. We carry on. We fellowship. We argue. We, di we discuss. We disagree. But Jesus is head of the church, so we hold together. So in that atmosphere of communication, we preach. We worship. Our services are relaxed and informal. And God uses that for the preaching. It's central to the development of Baptist churches. And then T, teaching. The church must teach. We have so, small groups. For years, they were called Sunday school classes, formed in England. And in the United States, we have more people in small groups than any other group. We believe in small groups. If you're not in a small group, you just come to this large group, you're missing out on a lot. Because you can learn in a small group. You can interact with other believers. If you're out, they miss you. They call you. If you have a need, they minister to you. They come alongside you. Don't be a long-ranger Christian. You've had a great leader in that area, Matt Flint. He's still going to stay here because he loves you so much. And he's led you well in this area. Small groups, so important for the teaching responsibility of the church. And then I stands for immersion. I've talked about that. We're not the only ones that immerse. The Greek Orthodox Church and the Russian Orthodox Church, they immerse babies. But it's more than immersion. It's the immersion of a believer. Paul in Romans 6 he says that baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection. It's a symbol or a picture of going under and coming up as Jesus went into the grave and he came out. I remember Herschel Hobbes used to say, you can't change the mode. The mode represents the meaning. The meaning is we die to self. We're lowered into the water. We're raised to a new life. No magic happens there, but it's a picture of what happened to you on the inside. And we Baptists have held to that. The rebaptizers in Europe, they were burned at the stake, some of them. They were, some, many of them died in prison because they believed in rebaptism. You just can't imagine the price that's been paid for us to have the freedom to worship and believe as we believe today. That may be taken away. I do not know what's on the horizon. Our culture in America is changing. It's no longer a church culture. It's a mission culture. It's much like the world that the Apostle Paul existed in in the first century. Who knows what's going to happen? 
We still we have a culture that worships the, the war god Molech and we kill babies. Maybe that's going to change. I pray it does. And we'll just see where it goes. America's pushing back against that. And we're hearing all kinds of, of basically misinformation about that. But we believe in immersion as a symbol of our faith. And then supper, S. The ordinance of baptism, the Lord's Supper is symbolic. I've talked about that. Not sacramental. Not saying that. These are beautiful symbols of our faith. And then T, together. Your pastor talked about that. We are together. We believe in connecting with each other. That's why we can do what we do. That's why we have these four church plants we're supporting. That's why you give to the cooperative program and you give to the local budget of association of churches so we can plant new churches. We have several situations that are going to, they're going to have a replant. Uh, a church plant's going to move in and the people who are there, they're going to unite and there's going to be a replant to take place. We've got several of those that are happening right now. We have one church. They'd had a, a, a zombie group, a group out of Thailand that had been worshiping there for many years. And the Anglo group had gotten down to a small group of senior adults. They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give our building to the Zomi group. I was with them a few weeks ago. They had their 10-year anniversary. And their auditorium was almost full of Zomi believers who've come here from uh, Thailand. And they believe the gospel. And they're reaching out. And it's the largest Zomi church in America and the pastor and the leader said, we are committed to reaching the 6,000 Zomis that live in Tulsa. But you know what they did? They said to the Anglo group, about 50 senior adults, we want you to continue worshiping just like you have always done. We'll leave you alone. You don't have to pay us anything. You've been so good to us. Listen, that is a kingdom mindset. And that church eventually will die. But they, die, they will die a kingdom death because the Zomi church is using their facility that was built by Baptist families over the years, Skelly Drive Baptist Church. God will use that facility to reach the Zomis with the gospel. That's what happens. We've got a Hispanic group that moved into Garnett Road Baptist Church. They had 29 people saved Easter Sunday. They're running 400. And Skelly Drive, just a handful of seniors, they're letting them be a part of using their facility. Kingdom mindset. You have that kind of mindset. You want to reach this community. It's one of the fastest growing communities in Oklahoma. And God has uniquely positioned Central Baptist to do that. God bless you. I pray your tribe will increase. It's an honor to be with you today. It's a privilege to be connected in some way with Central Baptist. Your former pastor, Kevin Stewart, uh, he sent me a text last night. He said, send my regards to those dear people that I love, and I know you loved him. But now God's called you another young pastor 
Get behind him, love him, encourage him. The staff, what a great staff you have. God's using this team to make a difference. Well, that camera, I tell you, I like that camera. That is so neat. I don't know of another church that has a camera like that. Like I say, the last time I saw one like that, it was in Jerry's world. Um, it's great. I want to thank you, Clayton. Let me be here today. God bless you, sir. Let's give this young man a 21st century amen. All right. I got a clap and I didn't do anything today. All right. Did I say hey. that like you wanted me to? <laughs> that's, that's great. Okay. Hey, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Are you saying zombies? How many? Of you, I was like. Zombies. What? Zomies. Zomies. S O M I. Okay, I was, I was, I was way off. Group, I was way off. People group, I don't know if I was the only one. People group out of Thailand. That's awesome. And there's 6,000 of them. That's amazing. Yes, sir. Well, hey, guys, why don't y'all thank Charlie for coming and uh, being thank a part you. of the worship thank service? You. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Here it is. We're in this together. Amen. We're a part of something big, and I hope you guys are able to, to sense that and understand that a little bit more um, today. And I want to invite you to come back again next week as we uh, kind of get even larger and think about the global impact that Central Baptist Church is having. So I want to invite you to come and be a part of next week's service. But let me pray for us before we are dismissed. Would you bow your heads and let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this church. And God, we are, we're messed up. Uh, there's, there's weird things about us. There's things that are different about us, and we're not perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. We serve a great God. And so, God, I pray that you would use our church over all of our faults and all of our failures, all of our quirks, Lord, that you would still take broken people and make something special out of us. God, this is your church. We want to be a part of your kingdom impact in our community, in our state, and beyond. So God, use us in a powerful way as we see that as Baptists, we are a part of something special. We thank you for, for uniquely calling Central to be a part of that. God, I pray for all of our families this morning who are here. I pray for the ones that are online right now, God, that they would, they would know that they're not alone. We're a part of something big. And God, may that motivate us to be on mission for Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Hey, they're just finishing up service in there and I wanted to come out and tell you that we love you guys and we're praying for you. If you made a decision today, we would love to hear about it. So you can email us at prayer at cbcowasso.org and we'd love to respond to you, pray with you, and just be in that communication because you just made a decision. That's awesome. We want to celebrate that. Um, remember as we go out into the world that we exist to live for Christ, love people, and make disciples. Have a good day.